Hi, you're listening to Celluloid Cards Wallop with James and Gemma. Sit down and enjoy yourself, grab a snack and have some fun. And welcome to this week's Celluloid Codswallop. This is, in fact, a continuation uh, of an interview uh, I did earlier on with the wonderful, lovely, talented Laura Summer. And we are going to be discussing further aspects of her career and some of the wonderful, exciting things she'll be doing in the future. But well, before we go into that, I just want to say that, unfortunately, Gemma was unable to join us for this, but she really wanted to be there uh, to do it. But unfortunately, she's a bit unwell at the moment. Uh, we're pretty sure it's not the coronavirus, but she's a bit under the weather, and she just wants to pass on her apologies to Laura and to the listeners that she wasn't able to join us for this. Hi, Gemma. Even though you're not there, thinking of you. When we t- uh, talked on uh, Twitter, we said hello, so that was nice. We, we certainly are thinking of she's lovely, 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 kind, lovely person, and a huge fan of the Digimon that you have been involved oh, with. Oh, yeah, we didn't get to talk about that last time. I'm really looking forward to discussing it this time. So the first big question is, Laura, are you okay? How are you doing? Oh, yeah, we're fine here in Los Angeles. It's just, you know, all the restaurants are closed except for takeout businesses around like a two week lockdown and the schools were closed. And, um, you know, they're trying to stop the spread of this virus. And that's what they've decided to do. Mm. It's an interesting thing that not only will this recording be a great thing for us discussing your career, it's also going to be an interesting time stamp in history, uh, looking yeah. at what's happening with the coronavirus. Well, hopefully it gets resolved quickly and they flatten the curve, as they keep saying. I certainly hope so. Let's touch wood for that. Touch wood, fingers crossed, and whatever right. else you need to do. <laughs> exactly. So... Laura, obviously, one of the things we discussed in the last interviews, we we were talking about the work you did on the real Ghostbusters, uh, where you were voicing the character of Janine. And I was interested to know, what's your experience been like with the real Ghostbusters fan base? Um, Well, I wasn't really doing a lot of social media. And because that was the first thing I ever did way back when, I wasn't ever talking about it because it was quite a long time ago. Mm -hmm. But now that I first got approached by the good fellows in Scotland for EctoCon, uh, Fraser Cole and others, and they said, hey, you want to come to Scotland June 20th, 1920, 2020, <laughs> and it was last, it was last year that they connected with me at the end of 1919, and I said, sure, that sounds fun for a one-day Ghostbusters event, and because I know that I get a lot of fan mail over the years, um, yes. which I'm not encouraging because you have to go to the post office for the UK here, and that is something that I cannot do right now. <laughs> so yeah. If, yeah. <laughs> if your listeners want to connect with me, the best would be at Love That Laura on Twitter. Um, and uh, so they can do that, and I'll talk, you know, write me a message or reach out to me or follow me. So 
uh, with the Scott. Oh, that's the, that's Andy the dog who just that noise. His his collar. <laughs> he just uh, Hello, Andy. shook himself. Uh, <laughs> no, or Andrew when we're being formal. So anyway, when uh, Fraser invited me to come to Scotland and I said yes, then all of a sudden they started doing a lot of uh, social media and then a lot of Ghostbusters fans started uh, writing to me and that's really, really fun because I, I think Ghostbusters was a little behind in, in the UK uh, from when it first showed here in America and I know it's very beloved. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's how I, going off my memory, that's how I first got in contact with you, I think, uh, oh, when that wow. sort of thing had been announced, and we, we, we got chatting, and, uh, yes. and here we are. Yes, and I'm looking forward to coming to Scotland if everything goes well, and, um, yep. you know, there's still a few tickets left, I understand, and if it happens that we it doesn't happen in June, we're gonna we're gonna do it some other time. We are gonna do it and celebrate all things Ghostbusters. Absolutely, and it's only I mean, just when you're saying about the tickets, it's it's selling so well that it's only sort of a few tickets that are left and yeah. you can see that it's gonna be an absolutely brilliant, successful event, you know, whenever it does happen. I yes. mean and something something we re, we mentioned in the last interview is the brilliant sit down lunch that can be had with you and other 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 guests so uh, that's going to be a great thing where people can talk to you about not only your work on the uh, you know with regards to the real ghostbusters but they can talk to you and the other guests who are, who are doing the lunch about your careers and maybe advice on working in the business and just some of the right, wonderful exactly. stories it's a raffle actually the next day that i suggested i said hey you guys why don't we do a raffle like a meal you know you know, uh, and because um, the, all the money is going to charity, not to to me. And uh, <laughs> and so they, they were like, wow, that's a great idea. And um, so uh, there are some tickets for the raffle, I believe, left. And um, yeah, so that we could it's more of a one on one. Um, I don't know. I think uh, they're just going to have uh, a, a few people picked out of a hat, I guess, to have lunch with myself and uh, the other talent. I think um, Jason Marsden and Jennifer. Um, what's Jennifer's Jen- last Jennifer Runyon. Jennifer Runyon. Yes, yeah. yes, because she was in the movie, so I don't know her. And um, so she's lovely. I've met, I've yeah. met her. And I, I told oh, her nice. she's a lovely woman. I'm sure. So it, it should be a lot of fun and it would be very personal. You know, it'd be very different. And, you know, we'll have an hour, an hour and a half to hang out. I think it'll be absolutely brilliant. So I urge anyone who is ava- who is able and wants to go to this event. It's, you know, it's going to be great. It's going to be for charity. And obviously get buying those few tickets that are left. because It's been that successful. There are only a few tickets left. And importantly, get into the raffle. Because you can sit and you can have a lovely lunch with Laura and other other guests who are there. What else could you ask for? I don't think there's anything else <laughs> could ask for. It'll be brilliant. <laughs> now, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, I always sort of like to ask this sort of question. That if you carry on carrying on the theme from you know, the real Ghostbusters, have you ever had a par- paranormal experience? Hmm. No, but I've had psychic hits. Ooh. Could you tell us more about that? I'm very interested. Oh, you are? You know, just like I have a sense of something that's going to happen before it's happened. And 
I, I do have that. And when I have, I had a serious accident, I did feel someone from over the other side who had passed away the last couple of years send me little messages. So I've had that, but that's as much as I can share. Wow, I mean, that's that. still yeah. that's still very uh, interesting, interesting <laughs> but, stuff to hear. But not like um, I feel ghosts around me. No, not not in that way. I feel I feel energy and mm. spiritual uh, hits. But yeah, that's how I would describe it. That's pretty damn amazing. I think you're the only person who's ever actually talked to me about having that, like, really? those sort of hits. Yeah, there's no one else I can think of who, when I've asked them the question, there's uh, actually had that sort of thing happen. But that's very cool, very interesting. Wow, yeah. <laughs> and when we last spoke, you tantalized me and the listeners because you were talking about the, the, the work you're doing on the Digimon series. So I'm wondering if you could tell me a bit more about that, please. Well, I did the first Digimon uh, Adventure Series 1 and 2 in like 99 and 2000. I mean, a long time ago. And I don't even remember if I auditioned for it or I was just given the job. I, I really couldn't say. And then in 2016, 17, they brought back. The, my character, Potamon, and who's like a flying hamster with wings, um, <laughs> and who <laughs> sits on TK's head, for those of you, your Digimon fans. And uh, so they brought that back, and they asked me if I would do it. And I had done the movie also. There was a Digimon movie. And so Digimon Try... I did that, and that kind of, um, I guess, did well. I don't know even how it was released. You know, uh, for your fa- for your uh, listeners, was it on Crunchyroll or because it is anime? I'm not exactly sure. And then now Japan just released another Digimon with the same characters, a film. And that they're supposed to show in America like one day, but that's been put on hold because of the virus. And I know Potamon is in it, so I'm hoping to record that. And there's rumors of a reboot of Digimon, but I can't confirm anything because I really don't know anything of the original Digimon adventure series, like different stories with the same characters, like an up some kind of update. But this, these are all just rumors, and mm-hmm. I haven't been told anything. <laughs> and right now, everything in Los Angeles is on lockdown. Well, let's touch wood fingers for the future. That uh, you know, touch wood cross fingers for the future that you, you will be able to to be in the future uh, future installments. Yes, that would be so fun because it's such a fun character Potamon and it's it's not my natural voice at all and I really enjoyed playing him it's a little like a boy hamster mm-hmm. with wings <laughs> uh, I love the description a hamster with wings <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> and big blue eyes <laughs> yeah <laughs> what 
I was interested when you were saying, obviously, because you did the work on the series and then you got to work on the film. Did you notice any sort of real discernible differences in the recording process between no. the series and the film? No. Not really, no. It's it's because it's, it's all dubbing. And mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, it's different now recording it because when I first did Digimon, we would work off paper and uh, you would see the line on a piece of paper and then uh, you would look up at the screen, which is like a, a TV set or a computer set, and dub it into English because it's, you know, made for Japan. It's Japanese yes. actors first. So you'd work and then you'd have to be quiet with the paper and turning the page. But now it's you work off an iPad, which is so much easier, actually. And you can make it as big as you need it you know the script the lines so it's a lot easier and especially for me because i wear glasses and before i would i just thought you know i didn't do much anime for a long time i did original animation and i thought oh i don't even know if i can do anime because i have to get progressive so i could see the page and then (laughs) see the screen but now it doesn't matter because since i'm you work off an ipad i can use this is probably so boring to your listeners, but I can no, use no, distance it's... distance glasses for both the the script and then the screen to make sure I'm fitting the dialogue into the mouth of the character. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. I understand exactly <laughs> what you mean. It's, oh, that's you've good. Got to, you've, you've got to match it all up. If it doesn't, it'll make no sense to anybody. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Now, one of the things I made a bit of a mess up on the last interview, so I didn't understand it, was the process of ADR. Yes. So you've you've done ADR work on uh, the Bev- it was on Beverly Cop Three, I believe. Well, I've done that there. for years. I've done hundreds of jobs so on ADR. Yeah. So yeah, to single out is kind of you know, I mean, you can, but I've done like um, many series for Disney and features too. So you know, they all, it's all the same process Mm -hmm. for each. Well, that's what my big question was going to be. I just sort of went with those as some examples, but what is, what, what's the ADR process? Can you, because it's not something I'm familiar with. Sure. Well, it stands for additional dialogue replacement. And in the old days, they used to call it WALA, but it is ADR and you'll see that in the credits of films, you'll see ADR supervisor or ADR post-production. And it's part of the post-production process. So after, let's say, a movie, after the actors, you know, have shot their scenes and the movie's been edited, they will bring in, it could be a group of four, it could be a group of 14. I have worked on movies that had like 25 actors on it, but that's very rare. And um, like TV shows, we'll have four or six people doing the ADR, let's say. And the process is it's rounding out the production. So let's say you have your leads. Let's say it's Kate Blanchett and... um, I don't know, Jennifer Lopez in a scene. (laughs) I'd like to see that. And they're in a restaurant and they're talking and um, there's a table right next to them and there's two other ladies talking and their mouths are moving. They have to put dialogue 
in their mouths that you have to interpret what would fit, you know, like maybe they're giving their order to a waiter and uh, one lady would say something like, I'll have a salad with dressing on the side or uh, like the chicken breast, please. You know, you have to look at it and figure out what they're saying and then they'll sync it to those people or it could just be noise in a restaurant so you'll have you'll you'll divide in groups of two and you'll have conversations about life or restaurant or ordering or what you're eating or babysitting or your kids or you're getting a divorce or whatever you know and then they'll do some hocus pocus in the studio when you leave and then they'll lay it in the tracks so when you're watching the movie this you know it comes to life the restaurant comes to life i'm just giving like an example yeah. and of the people around uh kate blanchett and jennifer lopez <laughs> if that were ever to happen mm-hmm. <laughs> well that's that's quite interesting so that's also how they do so um it, correct me if I'm wrong that's my understanding from what you've told me but is that sort of how you would do say crowd noises yes of course yeah that's way oh they they use more people but it is sort of the thing and and they do a lot of call outs which instead of just you know conversations like we're talking back and forth here like it would be like this it would be like go team go you know I don't want to and you know yell yeah that's called call outs and they lay that in and things like that and screams and all kinds of stuff. So you have to be pretty versatile to do that kind of work and it pays well. And Mm -hmm. uh, most movies have it. And um, I mean, most TV shows, all movies have some post-production. Wow. I mean, that's very interesting to to know that's how it's done because to to someone watching a film, it probably wouldn't ever register with them that that's how it's done because you just think, oh, well, I guess the background noise is the background noise of people in the room but right right and also it could be let's say you have Kate Blanchett running uh she's doing she's running and uh I'm using her as an example this is nothing mm-hmm. specific and she's running and uh she stops and she's catching her breath they don't always use Kate Blanchett doesn't always come in to do her and she might, so I don't know, I just pulled her name out of a hat, you know, kind of thing. Uh, her breaths of, you know, <gasps> catching her breath mm-hmm. and, <sighs> you know, you might see her mouth open on the screen and then, you know, uh, she's winded or something like that. They they might use someone who has her voice quality to do that, to make it come alive, because maybe they didn't get it when she shot it, you know, and then mm-hmm. they have to sweeten it or they might sweeten it with somebody else and use some of what she did. So, yeah, they're all little tricks that happens in post-production. It's quite amazing stuff to know. What do they say? To know how <laughs> the cakes made or to how the sausages are made, I think is the term. But that's, yeah. I mean, it's... Or that haggis that you people eat. <laughs> don't wanna, <laughs> don't tell me what that is. Don't. <laughs> I will say, being of Scottish descent, haggis is a wonderful dish. It just gets a very bad rep. But oh, it's really? Wonderful. Okay. I'll, wonderful I'll stuff. When I get there. <laughs> Absolutely. I would happily guide you to good haggis to have. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so with regard to work, you've been working on, there's been a new series of party of 
five, as I understand it. Right. Was it ADR work you were doing on that? Yeah, I did ADR at that, and that is finished. And I think it finished airing in the United States. I don't know what's going to happen, if it's going to get a pickup. I think it was 10 episodes. So, yeah, that was a reboot of a series from the 90s with an updated twist. Oh, excellent, excellent, excellent. Now, this is something that really interests me, because you worked as a producer on Fight It or Bite It. So I'm interested to know if you could tell me a bit about the role of producer, because every film or TV show has a producer, but people have never really been able to tell me what the job entails. <laughs> well, there's different kinds of producers. So certainly you'll see on a feature film, you'll see sometimes like, six or eight producers you'll have the executive producer the producer the associate producer the co-producer and sometimes people are on giving their producer credits and they really don't they didn't do anything that's rare but i have heard of that like maybe they the project passed through their hand it's a very complicated answer so i really can't you know depending upon the budget and but i had uh, 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 a hands-on producer, you know, somebody who did the work, who did handle all the below-the-line people, you know, and hired them. Tell me that there were some producers on this long-running TV show who he'd never even met but we're given a producer credit. So I'm probably not the best person. Yes, I produced that, but it was a one. Uh, there were two people in that show. It was a uh, something for the web. So it wasn't like, a, you know, producing a series or anything like that, you know. But sometimes people will get a producer credit for just finding the project and then taking it to somebody else who gets it made and then they get thrown off it, but they have to get a credit, you know. So it's complicated. I think I once heard something similar with John Peters when it came to sort of the Superman films. On some of them, he was like producer in name only on the later things. Right. He, I think he was given a producer credit on the remake of A Star as Born. And yes. He, was, he certainly yeah. wasn't around. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't running the show, but he was given a producing credit. It's all high finance and negotiation. <laughs> <laughs> and which would you say you preferred, acting or producing? Oh, I prefer being the talent, you know. I definitely do, you know. Um, yeah. Um, any particular reason why is it? Because you get to be more sort of involved and seeing it. Seeing well, it I've done other things on move, you know, which is uh, I worked uh, for 10 years. I was a project coordinator for a movie company that – uh, got large crowds, supply large crowd days, got the people mm. when they needed like 2,500 or 5,000 people on a movie set. And I would get the jobs for that company, you know. And so I liked that to a point where it would be calling the line producers to seeing if they need crowds, trying to get a meeting, getting a meeting, trying to say why they should hire this company. And I did that. I, I enjoyed it. But being on a set all day overseeing the crowd wasn't something I had to do because my job was really getting the jobs for the company. But I did do that. It was OK, but I would rather be talent on the set, you know, come in, do my part, get driven to the set and then maybe wait around for a few hours, get made up, then do my part. 
<laughs> then I don't like being is responsible for all to making sure that, you know, 2,500 people get uh, fed and they're given water and they're comfortable. It's a lot of responsibility. So I like acting better. Absolutely. Well, I can understand why from the way you're describing it. I guess it's a bit more thrilling. It keeps you a bit more involved with things. So I was wondering, Laura, I always like to sort of ask of people, if you could play any part in the future, what would it be? What would your absolute dream role be? Voiceover or on camera? Either. Both. Oh, oh um, I would love to, this came, just came to mind. Uh, to do some kind of remake of Born Yesterday by the great Judy Holiday, which was mm-hmm. done in the 50s, I believe. And I just love that character and the writing and that kind of part where you think she's dumb, but she's really smarter than everybody else in the room. It's always fun to play. That sounds, I think, I think we found an excellent future project for you. There. Yeah, there you that go. Sounds really good. <laughs> Born today. <laughs> and if you could do any sort of voiceover role? Um, well, they they kind of all blend together, you know, because I do, you know, it comes out of an acting place, my voices. Mm-hmm. They don't come out of a, it's not like I just go, oh, I'll just, I'll just do a funny voice. You know, I don't really think like that. You know, yeah. it usually comes from the script. I'll look at the script and I'll think, well, what's going on with this character? Or I'll look at a, a picture. Inspires me, I think, is what you're asking. Like, what inspires me? Like, yeah. if I, you know, sometimes you'll get a piece of uh, a drawing of a character, a sketch, if it's a cartoon or something. So you kind of go, well, what does this character look like? And, you know, how do I get a voice that would fit that character? And so, so you know, you never know what's going to give you an idea. A lot of times you have to self-direct yourself for auditions. Mm-hmm. And in sort of following on from, from discussing that sort of work, if you could work with anyone, who would it be and why? I'd like to work with you, James. I would love to work with you, too. <laughs> I cannot... You know, I cannot fault that answer. I would love to work with you as well. I think, <laughs> it would be fun. I think it would. I think we could create some very interesting sort of characters and parts. And yeah, we'd why not? <laughs> I think we'd spark off each other well. I think that'd be very good. Um, exactly. Now, are there any future projects you can tell us about? I just did something, but I can't talk about it. They really they make you sign NDAs, non-disclosure oh, yeah. agreements. <laughs> so for your listeners, which means you, you can't talk about it on social media and they want to be able to talk about it. And so I have to respect that. I'm sorry. It's all right. It's I understand the NDAs are almost like a pain of death, aren't they? You've got to. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also like this is all new. You know, because of social media used to be you could talk about it. But now because of that, they just make you stop. So you just have to honor that. Well, as I've learned in the past from doing sort of interviews at conventions uh, and meeting people, the best way to do anything is to always follow the rules. Don't create right. any ripples because uh, you always That's- want to be on good terms with people. Exactly. And there's always someone else who would like to- your job. <laughs> yeah because <laughs> everybody show business is a great way to make a living acting is a great way to make a living voice acting it's really fun but it's very very competitive mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and it reminds me what you just said then about the the fact you could be replaced. I interviewed Andrew Svazinski, who worked on the James Bond from The Living Daylights and on Die Hard and Mission Impossible. And we were talking about the difference between working on certain sets. And he said you went on the Bond set and it was very much like a family and everybody was really close. And it was great. And so you worked on Mission Impossible and you had to get it right. You had to be very precise. Not that it wasn't mm-hmm. friendly, but there was a different working style. Because, as he said, with Mission Impossible, if you got it wrong, there are about 20 other people queued up behind you who oh, can yeah. uh, <laughs> take your I job. Would, I would say that is definitely, definitely true, you know. And I think in the past, it would take some things for granted. Like, I just went, oh, well, I can you know, saunter in here at, you know, five to nine, if I'm supposed to be there at nine. And, you know, now I would never do that. I leave plenty of time. I get there 15 minutes early. My work ethic is just different. But when I started, I was a teenager. And uh, so I learned things sometimes the hard way. So yeah, we're very lucky to be able to, to do this. I really, really, um, I'm very grateful. Excellent. Well, we're very grateful for the work you've done, and we're extremely grateful on this podcast for uh, coming to coming to speak to me. So thank to reiterate, so uh, absolutely, no, there's no need to say thank you. It's me thanking you. Mm-hmm. So to so to reiterate, the big thing is that obviously, as we said before, please people get those few remaining tickets for Octocon, where you will be lucky enough to meet Laura. I mean, one more can you ask for? And that's June. That's June this year in Glasgow. With June 20th, 2020. Yeah, with all the profits going to charity as well. And you can't ask uh, for anything right. more. The Children's Hospital of Glasgow. It is. It is. And is there anything, Laura, that you would like to promote for yourself or, or uh, say to just, our Thank you for listening to this podcast. And uh, if you want to connect with me, the best place is Twitter. That's where I seem to be going these days. And that's at Love That Laura. And it's Laura Summer. And uh, uh, introduce yourself. Well, you can't ask for anything else. It's been an absolute and utter pleasure. And uh, I wish you all the best, Laura, and your family. And please stay safe and and have fun. And thank you so much. Thank you, James. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody.